Are you looking for truth from God's word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Clarity Christian College, formerly known as Florida Bible College. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. I fully realize that when I am put out in harm's way because I've chosen to enlist in the military, that I have signed up to put myself in front of a bullet to protect others and to provide freedom here in our country. I know that. Now, when I'm out there, I also know that those are real bullets that are coming from real guns of real people that really hate me, that are really my enemy. Not. The real enemy is the unseen world that is out there that has created human beings that have bought into a philosophy of the world, a secular worldview that is very much against God, and they have so energized and charged them in that negativity that they've created, in a sense, human monsters because of that through their mindset, affected their mind, feeling, and behavior, that now it's coming against us. So yes, it is true, I have to put up the shield, literal shield, I have to fight those enemies that are coming against me, but in my heart of hearts, my greater enemy is still Satan that has affected those people. That's why when Christians are involved in this, we still realize... Those people need Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. That's the bottom line. That's why we have missionaries. That's why we go all over the world. That's why we have missionaries that truly themselves put them into harm's way. Because they want that gospel to go out to prevent those people from becoming such human monsters by such a negative system that is energized by a very powerful Satan. So our real enemy isn't so much the flesh and the blood, although at times it will appear that way. The real enemy, though, is Satan. So let's remember that. There's a good book that was written by a dear friend of mine named Glenn Wagner. That book is called The Awesome Power of Shared Beliefs. Good book on shared beliefs of believers. But his first chapter sets the temperature when he talks about we have shared beliefs, then why are we shooting our own people? Friendly fire. And so Satan is a great deceiver and divider in that. So I would like to suggest this. That when you hear about conflict going on, such things as perhaps people in marriages and families, etc., would you just for a moment realize that it's not those people, it is Satan, and to help redirect them, to let them know where the real problem is? Now, folks, I'm going to appeal to, the, to those of you that have been really studying your Bibles. The rest of you kind of listen, because you're going to get some insight. As I went through this passage, God just kind of just hit me with this truth. Listen carefully now. In chapter 5, it says that we, we need to walk by means of the Spirit. We grieve the Spirit. We grieve the Lord if we don't walk by means of the Spirit. If I'm walking by means of the Spirit, what will happen? I will have a thankful heart. I will sing praise to the Lord. And I will submit to one another. Stay with me now with this whole train of thinking. All right, I'm going to say thanks, sing praises, and submit. Now, those of our people know I've already preached that. Then it goes into how do you submit and to whom do you submit? Everybody submits to one another, but there is a little bit of a hierarchy. Wives to husbands, kids to parents. It always comes back, therefore, husbands love your wives, moms and dads love your kids. How to get along better on your job. The boss needs to treat the people fairly. The people need to treat their boss fairly. It goes through all the systems there. Now stay with me. Then it says about the spiritual warfare that we're in. Then it talks about, in this passage right now that we're reading, it says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So I'm thinking that what was really going on in the mind of Paul was, is that while he's trying to set all the families in order, he still realizes that these people are going to be in conflict, and he's reminding them very subtly but openly that your conflict isn't with other people, it's still going to be with Satan. So that's why we love each other, and we hate Satan. 
Because of what he's done. What he's doing. And unfortunately, because we let him, what he will do. It says here, against a spiritual host of wickedness in heavenly places. That's the unseen dark world. You might want to write three, four words down to start with the letter P. They're not in your notes. Write them in your margin very quickly. The forces of evil are powerful. I'm not going to say much about that, except just that you know that they are powerful. I cannot fight Satan by myself. I cannot fight Satan even with the Lord. All I can do is yield unto the Lord and let the Lord fight Satan. Number two, second word is the forces of evil are plentiful. If you look back at the verse, it says hosts. It says principalities, powers, rulers. They're plentiful. I read a story one time that really encouraged me as a pastor. I have not met very many pastors who wanted to preach to a small crowd. We, we pastors, we always want one more. Don't we preachers? Do we have any preachers here? We always want one more, okay? But this poor preacher guy, he had a very small church, and I'm not here to say why it was small. He just had a very small church. But at night, he would work very hard on his sermon. All week long, he'd be working on that sermon and crafting the illustrations and the biblical points and checking out the original languages, making sure it's in context, checking out the history, putting it together under an applicator. And now it's late into Saturday night. His wife is going to bed at 10 o'clock and he's still working on that message. His wife goes to sleep. He's still working on that message. She gets up at 2 in the morning. He's still working on that message for 15, 20 people in his church. And his wife finally has it up to here and says to him, My dear husband, I know you love these people. You work so hard for only 20 people. You do all this work for that little crowd. Why do you waste your time doing so much for such a little crowd? And he said, wisely, and this is what spoke to me. He said, it's true, there may only be 15 or 20 people there. But there's also going to be myriads, innumerable angels, and almighty God that'll be there hearing my heart and my passion for my people knowing truth. That has really spoke to me. Now, isn't that good? But let me warn you, just like there are myriads of angels out there, there's myriads of dark forces that are out there. They're plentiful. There's no place you can hide that they won't be. Now, you kids, I know this is going to scare you to death, so I'm going to stop right there. They're everywhere. Third word is the word they're prepared they're prepared. They don't wake up in the morning and say, let me see now, how do we get these Christians again? What do we need to do? What does Satan are? What, what, what? No, no, they are fully prepared. In fact, I believe they are so prepared they can't prepare anymore to be able to bring down God's people thinking that they, by doing that they will bring down God. But here's the fourth word. And this is the word I want you to put a star by it because this is the one we often overlook. The forces of evil are predatory. That's a big word, so just spell it any way you want. Predatory or predators. When you hear of a predator, I don't want you to think of your dog or your cat. They kind of play around the house and all of a sudden they get a little hungry and they walk by their food and they take a bite of that or maybe you've left a, a plate of, of dessert on the end table there and they walk by and they, oh, that smells good and they eat some of that. I'm not, that's not a predator. That's, not a, that's a person who takes because of convenience. Are you tracking with me? Are you track, it's convenient. A predator is different. 
A predator wakes up in the morning and they only have one thing on their mind and that is to get what they want. They live every waking moment and I think that they only sleep because they have to and they go to sleep still hungry trying to be a predator. Why do you think those people are in law enforcement continually warn us about sex offenders and child predators? It's like they have this insatiable appetite to destroy another human being, particularly a child. And I use that because they're more innocent. But in a sense, you need to know that Satan is a predator. His forces are predators. They want to come against you and do whatever they can, lie to bring you even a moment away from God. The only safe place is to be squeezed up close to Jesus. The fourth thing we need to do is to equip ourselves for a decisive victory. Now I know most of you have had teaching about the armor. We've all done this about a year and a half ago when I taught Ephesians. We had some great teaching yesterday at the men's um, breakfast that we had. It was great. Brian did an excellent job with the meal and the music and Pastor Jim just delivered a great message on, on this, so I don't need to park long on it. What I want to do now is not so much talk about what does a belt look like and what does this uh, armor look like and all that. We could go through all of that. That's important when I have more time, but right now I don't want to do that. I just want to talk about the words that are blank there that you're going to fill in now, the belt of truth. So if I'm going to equip myself for a decisive victory, the first thing I need to have is truth. Now look up here for a moment once you write the word truth down. Truth comes in Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth. When I trust Christ, I have Christ in me, the hope of glory, so I have truth inside of me. We also know that thy word is truth, so when I take God's word, I abide in his word moment by moment. I know his book. I know it properly, accurately, for the purpose of applying it, for the purpose of bringing glory to him. I've got truth now living inside of me. Now when I have him in me, and I have the word of God in me, so I have the living Lord in me, and I have the written Lord in me, now I have the, the potential to have all the truth necessary to live my life properly before him. If I want to have victory, I need to be a person of truth. Now you just let the Holy Spirit expand that in your mind through biblical meditation. Anything less than that, you don't have truth. You're not completely truthful. You're not completely in his army and you won't have complete victory. The second word is a word that says righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness. We could talk about what they look like and what they cover and all of that. I just want to park on righteousness. If I want to have victory in my Christian life, I have to have rightness. This righteousness, and I'm going to be real quick for some of you that want more now, one kind of righteousness is a righteousness that God gives me when I trust Christ. That's total righteousness by Him. That's not what I believe this is talking about. Another kind of right, righteousness is a righteousness that is self-righteousness manufactured by man, a set of rules, we could call it legalism, that he thinks that you're right if you do it his way and he puts his own policies behind it. That's not the righteousness. This righteousness is a holiness that comes from the Lord as I choose to live moment by moment in his power for his glory according to the books and my outward and my inward life. That's righteousness. In order for me to have victory in my life against the predators that are out there in the unseen world that want to destroy relationships in me, at the same time he wants to lie me and confuse me, then what I need to do is to be righteous. And I have all the potential to be righteous because Christ is righteous and he lives in me again, the hope of glory. I have truth, I have righteousness because I have Christ. Now, 
To live that out in my life is a moment-by-moment experience. Number three, it has the word sandals of the gospel, we might say, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I want you to look at the word gospel of peace. Now, there's two ways to look at that. The word gospel means good news. The good news is the death and resurrection of Christ. So it talks about that gospel of peace. What brings me peace, watch this now, watch this, watch this, watch this, is forgiveness. The gospel brought forgiveness, grace, and mercy to me. Now, what that does to me is has great peace. I know this is going to be very hard for some of you to believe, but I have from time to time offended people. Just, just, let's just say it is. I've, I've offended people. I don't mean to do it most of the time. Sometimes my flesh is so much, I don't care what I say. But I'll tell you this, I feel like a crumb bum. I don't know what it is, but when I've done something that's wrong, I, I, I just, I feel so guilty. I feel so crummy. I just, and eventually, you know what I do? I go back to that person. And I say, you know what? I was out of line. I am so sorry for what I said. I grieved the Lord. I hurt you. I should not have done that. Will you forgive me? Now, listen, when I hear them come to me and they say, I forgive you. It's like this big weight is lifted off of me. That doesn't mean I'm going to go out and now sin again. It just means I have been given grace and mercy in my life. In order for me to have victory in my life, I have to remember I experienced from the Lord the gospel, the death and resurrection that provides authentic grace, forgiveness, and mercy to me. Watch. The end result is I have peace with God. Woohoo! And I now have the peace of God because now he lives in me, the hope of glory. And that's the stability to give me all that I need to have victory. So I'm not up and down and unstable, which is the absence of peace. So if we're unstable, what's happened is we forgot the gospel of peace, grace, and mercy. Here's the next word. It's the word faith. Now, this isn't talking about the faith, like a theological doctrinal statement, although it it would come from that. It's really faith. And I really want to encourage you this, that in order for me to have victory in my life, I have to have an element of faith. And the more faith that I have in my life, the more faith I put on them, the, the, the more stability I'll have. Now, stay with me on this thought. The, the, the disciples are in the boat. The storm's all up. They're all scared. And so they wake up Jesus and they say, Jesus, don't you care that we're going to perish? And so Jesus, before he even gives them truth, he gives them grace first. So he calms the sea. And then he speaks to them and he says what to them? Finish this line. O ye of little faith. Okay. Fear then is often... The absence of faith. The more faith I have, the less fear and anxiety that I have. So I have a fear-faith factor problem. So now the question is, is not work on getting rid of all my fears. The real factor is getting stronger faith. Now that's the easy part. Because you see, I can get more faith because, finish this with me. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The more I'm in God's word, I'm taking it in. I'm choosing to apply it. I'm choosing to use it, to, to, to live it, to know it, to defend it, to proclaim it. All of a sudden, more faith. A study was done at Dallas Seminary with some of the graduates that were going into ministry and found those that had the more difficult struggle of graduation and the fear of what's going to happen next were those that did not have a meaningful quiet time on a daily basis. Now, the quiet time isn't the issue. Where you had it, how long you had it on your knees or outside, it is in the Word. Faith. You want to win? Faith. Easy. How do you get faith? Get into the word. All right, the next word is real important too, and I think we ought not to forget this one. It's talking about the helmet of salvation. I think there's a lot of ways we could talk about that, but just knowing 
that you know that you have eternal life. I want to go to the next one though, the Spirit, which is the Word of God. What's so interesting about all of what I'm saying today is in order for us to have victory, it's going to be found in the person of Christ and in His Word, the living Word and the written Word, the Word of God. I want to end with number five here, and that is we need to energize yourself through fervent prayer. Winning the real battle is going to require fervent prayer. Now, I know you wrote that down, but I want to go a little bit further. I know what the verse says, pray for me that I would have boldness when I would speak the message. And so when you speak boldly, that means you've got confidence, that means you've got energy, that you've got strength, you've got power to do what God wants you to do, which is to speak the message in this context, the gospel particularly. But come with me now, come with me on this journey. I'm going to speak the gospel to them. I'm going to do it powerfully because I've got confidence. I have confidence because I have energy. I have energy because prayer was going on. Now watch this. It's not just asking God for more power, for more boldness, although that's good to do. Listen, listen, I want to take you up a notch. Prayer is building a relationship with God through communing with Him. When you are communing with Him, then you are really sensing His presence. You're sensing His power. You're sensing His purpose. And when you have all of that going for you, all of a sudden you're saying, man, I've got the strength now, the courage now, to go do what God wants me to do. Now watch. Then this warfare is not so much a defensive thing where I'm sitting around waiting for all this to happen to me and hoping that it doesn't. It's more, you know what? In the name of the Lord, I go forward. The battle is His. It's a winnable battle and I'm moving forward. So I love the way this whole battle thing ends on energized through communion with the Lord in prayer. That's our strength in the Lord. I want you to know that I see the victims of Satan winning the battle. I see them like this week. I got a phone call from a son who said, my daddy died. And would you do his funeral? He's 80, a little older than 80. He trusted Christ when he was about 70 I led him to the Lord and I got him into a good church. And now my daddy's died. But I can't have his pastor do the, do the funeral. I said, why? He had a moral failure. The church is divided. My family's divided. There's confusion. Would you come and speak the, the celebration of life's service? I said, I'd be there in a heartbeat. We're busy. We've got to leave in a week or so. But I've got to be there. I'm watching this family go through conflict because a pastor chose not to wear his full armor. I see it when I get a phone call from someone who's so down and depressed and discouraged when it's not a chemical thing going on. I see it when I'm dealing with conflicts between husbands and wives and one or the other is wishing that they were single again. I hear it from those who are so desperate to be married, they'll compromise their morality and whatever it takes to get a life partner. And all this I see. And when I close my eyes, I hear Satan giggle and laugh. But you know what else I see? I also see when there's an opportunity to serve, you guys will pick up the broom and you'll sweep. I see when there's an opportunity to put your arm around someone like three or four ladies put their arm around a, a lady who's got to find out why she has a lump that wasn't there a few months ago and can't even drive to get the help. I see, I see that happening. 
I see more people in this church signing up to help get candy, build booths, be here, park cars, stay until the last thing is cleaned up. I see people make a whole meal in their home, get up at four in the morning, drive it across the island just to feed some 20 guys on a Saturday morning. And then I close my eyes and I hear God singing. The battle was won with those people. The battle is the Lord's. The victory is ours. And it's our choice. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around, I'd like to give you a moment of an opportunity for you to have some quietness with the Lord. I'm going to speak for another moment, then we're going to actually just hear nothing more than the air coming through our air conditioning vents. I just want you to think for a moment. First of all, are you on the winning side? Are you willing to humble yourself? And it takes great humility to say, I'm not. I've done good deeds. I want to do good deeds. Some of it was religious, but I know that I'm not in God's family by faith alone. And right now, I am trusting in Christ to be my forever Savior. Is there anyone here that would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I am a sinner. I want to get on the winning side. And I'm coming by faith. I'm I'm changing my mind about what I used to think would get me into heaven. I realize the battle is horrific now. I didn't realize how serious it was. Before it didn't matter so much because I was already in Satan's family and I was going to go to hell anyway. But I know it's going to get worse because I'm going to get into God's family. But the best news is that I'll never go to hell and I'll be with God forever in heaven. And I'm on the winning side. And so my battle is winnable in Christ. And I want to be a part of his forgiven family. So right now, Pastor, would you pray for me? Because I'm trusting Christ alone to forgive me of all sin. Now, if you're doing that, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. Now, raising your hand doesn't get you in the army. Walking forward doesn't. Me praying for you, goodness, that won't get you in. You're trusting Christ. Jesus says, he that believes on me has right now everlasting life. It is not by works of righteousness that you do that gets you into heaven. Jesus died and rose again. Your sin ticket has been paid for by his blood that was shed on Calvary. He died, so you live forever. Would you right now... If you're ready to trust Christ forever, would you slip up your hand right now? Is there anyone in here? Put it up, put it high. I want to see it. Anyone else? Okay. How about getting the best protection? Go over that list, what we talked about, for the, the right protection to have. You know what it is now. Truth, faith, these things. How about getting a grasp on the real enemy? Would you now stop seeing flesh and blood as your enemy for just a moment? It's not going to be your kids. It's not going to be your rebellious son, your distant daughter. It's not going to be your boss. Oh, they all might act like jerks. But just remember, it takes a jerk to know a jerk. The real enemy is Satan. And would you get a hold of the most effective weapons you can, which is the sword of the Spirit? And then finally, how many of you know that you've been so busy, and we have been busy here, and now you admit that and you're willing to say, Pastor, pray for me because I'm now going to get on my knees for the best results. How many of you would like to have prayer because you have been experiencing the fiery darts of Satan's temptations hitting you already? Temptation to quit, temptation to give in, a temptation to fight and argue, a temptation to separate, a temptation to do things that are not right, temptation to use, I'm busy, as an excuse not to get involved. Or some of you... You've used the excuse of getting involved so that you don't have a quiet time and alone time with God and do other things. 
and Satan has tempted you and you'd like to have prayer because you now are going to be a part of the winning battle here. Would some of you raise your hand? Any of you? How many would like to have prayer? My hand is up. We've been very busy and that has caused us some special times together and I don't want that to happen. Let's now enjoy the sweetness of the pleasure of God when we surrender all to Him. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I do thank You for today. I thank You for Your Word. I thank You that the battle is winnable and that, Father, when one of our soldiers here is wounded because of a misstep or they didn't follow the directions or they got sideways for whatever reason, that we would come alongside them and not smash them down or neglect them or walk away, but we'll, we'll stop for a moment and we'll sit down with them, put our arm around them and pray them back into strength again with You. For, Father, someday when they're strong, we may be weak and we pray they wouldn't leave us behind and marginalize us out. Help us also as a church to realize that we are not destined to be just us, that this island is our parish. And so, Lord, help us so that our island does not perish. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Joe Pons, and I want to thank you for listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Clarity Christian College. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It's the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. That's makeitclear.org. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please email us at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. That's tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear.